Hey, it's Phil Brown and I'm here with David Whelan and today we're going to talk about how email works. Email is one of the fundamental communication tools for lawyers and although we often hear that the end of email is coming either through social media or texting or something else that's going to take over, it remains a fundam fundamental way to communicate with your clients. And it seems simple enough. You write an email on your computer, you uh, send it off to someone and they receive it presumably and uh, reply, but that's not all happening on your computer. Right. And I think there's some real confusion, too, about the, the kinds of tools that you use, um, because you can use in, in the current world Gmail or Yahoo Mail, uh, and you open up your web browser and you go to a site and you compose mail. Or you can be using what's called an email client, and that's a piece of software that sits on your computer. A lot of people have used Outlook, although they sometimes confuse it with an old program called Outlook Express, uh, which is not uh, as good an email client, but both from Microsoft. Or they might be using Thunderbird from the same people who make Firefox, the web browser. So you'd have a piece of software, and then that's your editing tool for creating that email before you send it off. Right. And, and before we get into things like hosting and who, where the email actually might be residing, let's talk a little bit about TCP IP and the language of emails. Right. The, uh, the, the way email works is that you create it either on the web or through your email client, just like you would create a Word document. You just type it up. You can add uh, attachments to it. In some cases, you can actually put the attachment, the picture or whatever it is, into the email. Um, and then you press your send button and it needs to go somewhere. And, and so your software or your web connection has to know how to send it over, over the Internet. Right. So it's, it's really just the TCP IP is just the basic communication language that sort of constructs the email and lets it travel through the Internet. Right. And one of the things that's always been out there for lawyers and, and email is uh, um, the confidentiality of what's in your email. And the way TCP IP works is that it breaks it into uh, packets. Uh, which are little bursts of information that shoot out across the internet. Um, and so you're not actually sending a Word document in the same way that you would send it if it was an attachment. Your email is being broken up into little chunks, and then it is sent over multiple different paths uh, to wherever you're sending it to, to the email server that is going to receive it so that your recipient can then access the email. Right. So even if your uh, email is being sent from my office to your office uh, across town, that email might actually go to China before it reaches you. Exactly. So it's uh, the, those little packets are shooting out. They're, they're shooting across the Internet. They may cross borders. Um, certainly uh, a recent uh, survey by some professors, I think from the University of Ottawa, found that most Canadian uh, Internet traffic crosses into the United States, um, even if you're not sending anything to the United States, and then it comes back into Canada. Which can be very convenient for people who want to look at those emails. For sure. And, and when you think about all those little packets, uh, in order to get where they're going, they're being routed over a bunch of different servers. So it's not like it's going just from your server to another com computer directly. Uh, it's actually stopping and little copies could be made at, at any point of any of those small packets. Right. So let's talk about email host. What is a, what's hosting an email or what's an email host? Well, an email host is the software that is behind the client. So in, in technology terms, you talk about client server networks. Uh, your client is your computer, and it's the email software that you write your email with. And when you press send, that software doesn't actually do anything. You have to have a server behind it that will receive the email and then process it and, and handle it properly. So somewhere in your email environment, you have a an email host. Um, it might be your ISP, like Bell or Rogers. Uh, you might be using Microsoft Exchange inside your law firm, or you may be using it through Office 365. Um, or you could be using a variety of other email servers. But you'll have an email server out there somewhere which will both receive emails for you uh, from people who are emailing you 
and it will take your emails and send them off to the, the next people. Right. And we've touched on this in other podcasts, but probably what a lot of people don't realize is if they're using email, they're using the cloud. That's right. Yes, because it's got to go out and, and be handled by some server. Now, you can have an, an, an entirely internal email environment where you have Exchange, for example, inside your law firm and you're only emailing to someone else in your law firm. That email actually will, 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 will stay inside your, your network. It will never leave. But if you're emailing anybody outside of your uh, practice, um, that will be going out into the Internet and, and probably living on a cloud somewhere. So there are a number of uh, points of vulnerability, if I can put it that way, in terms of the with the email on your desktop, uh, the email while it's being transmitted somewhere, while it's sitting on a server, uh, ending up on someone else's desktop, uh, them forwarding that email somewhere else. Right. Uh, just a number of different points where it could be traveling through other countries. And that's all a chance for you to lose control of your confidential information. For sure, because uh, there are really a couple of services that you use when you send or receive email uh, when you send, e- send email, you're using what's called the Simple Mail Transport Protocol, SMTP. And uh, it really is simple. It receives your email and says, okay, here's, a, here's an email. Uh, and then once it sends it, then that's, that's the end of your control over that email because it is now traveling across the, uh, the interwebs. And uh, you may have heard about someone who has uh, sent out an email and then you've, uh, after, after you receive the email from the person, you then receive a recall notice saying, uh, Please disregard the email I just sent. Um, and it's because in their system, they have the ability to do a recall on a message. But when an, e- an email goes out to the Internet, uh, those recall functions don't work. Right. And, and SMPTE is basically the, the protocol or whatever that says, you know, send this data, stop sending this data. I'm now going to stop because it, I, the data has been received it's also what goes out and looks for the email address that you're sending to. Right, to make sure that there, there is actually an address there. Um, and it doesn't care if there, it's the wrong address. As, far as, go, as long as there's an address, it will send it. And uh, so I frequently receive emails from Ireland uh, because there's a David Whelan there, uh, and I'm in someone's address book. Uh, so it, it comes to me, but it's not, I'm not the, uh, the person they're expecting to send it to you. Right. SMTP is also one of the, uh, the vulnerabilities in your email environment, uh, and it should be secured so that only people uh, who are authorized to send through that SMTP server can do so. Um, otherwise, you create what's called an open relay, and then spammers and other people will find that you have this open relay, and they will send email messages as if they were coming from you, um, and, and there'll be no way for you to stop them because the SMTP server isn't smart enough to check other than with uh, authentication and, and other setups. Um, if it receives an email and there's no security on it, then it will just forward that email, uh, assuming that everything inside that email is okay. Right. So let's and we'll talk a little bit uh, briefly about POP and IMAP and how they fit into the whole email uh, system. So POP being uh, Post Office Protocol, how does that work? Uh, Post Office Protocol and IMAP are two uh, variations of, of how you get your email. And uh, in the case of POP, uh, it downloads a copy of the email to your client so that you can then open up your email software, your app on your phone, for example, um, or your uh, Outlook uh, software on your computer. Um, if you use IMAP, uh, it shows you the folders and the files that are in your email system, but it leaves all the emails and the folders on the server. So what that means is that instead of downloading a copy to perhaps multiple devices, or if you've downloaded your email with POP and you delete it, losing access to that email, um, IMAP allows you to leave your email in one location and then use multiple devices to access it 
and leave it on that server so that really you can uh, you can use it in, in, in multiple ways without having to worry about having put the copy of that email on one particular device. Right. And, and one's pop, I think, is more of a one-way street. Uh, IMAP is more of a two-way street in terms right. of deleting emails. If I delete an email from my BlackBerry or my iPhone or whatever, uh, it'll get deleted from the server as well. Exactly. And, and some people, I think that's why they like Pop, because it downloads a copy of everything and so that they can make sure they have a copy on their local machine. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it becomes a preference and it becomes a productivity tool. If you are accessing your email uh, using multiple devices, more than one computer, for example, or a computer and a tablet, um, then IMAP may make, make more sense for you. Um, uh, and if you're only on one device, then Pop is actually a, a good option if you're go going to then back up your information from your computer, you can have a backup locally of that those pop files. Right, and and I would just say this: all of those various things uh, which are built into your computer uh, all have ports which are listening for pop emails and IMAP emails and waiting to see if something's coming towards your computer. Right. Yeah, I always think of ports as a sieve. If you think about your network connection to the internet, um, normally we just think of plugging a, a, a wire into the wall and then suddenly, hey, presto, there's the internet. But really. If you think about this sieve being in, in, in between you and, and the, the web or a colander, if you want, um, and it's got all these little holes in it, um, all those little holes are what are called ports. And normally all of those holes should be closed other than the, the holes that you need in order to communicate. And each of those holes will have a number. So uh, web traffic, for example, typically when you're connecting to the web, you use what's called port 80. So that little hole in your colander or sieve needs to be open. And the same thing goes for all of these uh, these other th systems, POP is on uh, 110, I think, and uh, SMTP is on port uh, 25. Um, IMAP, I forget now. I can't remember it's either. It's 443 or something. And then if you use secure versions of secure POP and secure uh, IMAP with uh, SSL or secure sockets, then it, you get slightly different numbers. Um, and so I, I think the lesson here as well is for, is for lawyers and paralegals, uh, email, uh, although typically secure, uh, can be subject to various vulnerabilities. Right. And I think you'd probably need to tell your clients, uh, if you're using email to communicate with them, that it is a potential security risk. For sure, yes. At least let them know that, uh, that their expectation should be that maybe you'll, you won't use email for confidential information or um, you'll send confidential, confidential information encrypted in some way, either the entire email or the attachment is encrypted, so that if someone is listening on one of those ports, which you have to have open in order to connect to the Internet, um, if someone is listening and, and trying to capture the information as it goes by, you are at least providing additional protections for them. That's right. And it's probably a good idea to have in a retainer uh, agreement, this is how we're going to communicate. So the client you know, has an idea in writing how it's going to happen. Uh, presumably, they'll also be able to opt out of that if they like. That's right. There's always paper. <laughs> so that, that's our look at uh, how email works. Thanks, David. Thanks, Phil.